This is Healthcare Strategies. This podcast was recorded remotely due to the coronavirus pandemic. As a result, the quality may be a little lower than our usual standards. We appreciate your patience as we practice social distancing. From all of us at Extelligent Healthcare Media, stay healthy, stay safe, and enjoy the latest episode of Healthcare Strategies. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. My name is Eric Wickland, and I'm the editor of M Health Intelligence, part of the Extelligent Healthcare Media Group. Today, we're talking with Dr. Sudhir Rao, a pain management specialist with pain and spine specialists, also known as PASS, which treats people in Maryland, Virginia, and Pennsylvania. They've developed a collaborative care model that balances behavioral and physical health services, and they've begun using telehealth to expand access to care, particularly in light of the coronavirus pandemic. We'll be talking about how they use telehealth now and where they see virtual care going in the future. Hello, Dr. Rao. How are you today? Great. All right. Well, thank you very much for for joining me on this. Um, I want to get right into this. Could you tell me a little bit about how you've been using telehealth in your practice? Sure. Um, As you mentioned, with the pandemic, it's forced all healthcare providers and practices to uh, pivot fairly quickly to be able to accommodate their patients and treat them safely. So once the shutdown happened, we uh, were able to transition to telehealth within a few days. And we used a couple of different online platforms to be able to do that. It did take some time to get patients acclimated and accustomed. So I would say that almost took you know, 60 days for everyone to be comfortable with utilizing the technology. Uh, but we've been able to transition uh, live in-person visits to telehealth visits. Some of that's been audio and video. Some of that's been uh, audio. Some of that has been utilizing uh, different apps or online platforms to be able to communicate with patients, not only during the visit, but on an ongoing basis throughout the month. We usually see patients on a monthly basis. And I think telehealth has has really transformed our practice to be able to get a lot more outreach and access to patients. Was it a challenge uh, choosing the the right technology or the right platforms to use? You mentioned you've got a couple of different services in use here. It was a challenge. Uh, We were actually toying around with telehealth uh, prior to the pandemic, as I think many practices have the idea of saying, hey, if it's HIPAA compliant, which is a big concern, then it can work. If it actually can be accessible uh, to most patients, then it'd be very helpful. So we had a technology uh, concern on our end, but also on the patient side. So if patients are using this technology from their homes, they have to have internet, they have to have uh, a computer or an iPad or a tablet or a phone that has the software on it. They have to have connectivity that's reasonable and, and you know the bandwidth to be able to do it. Uh, so all of those were concerns pre-pandemic. And then, but the biggest concern was you know, whether or not it was legal to do and if the insurance companies would allow us to do it. So the pandemic, uh, for what it's worth, has been helpful in that sense where really forced healthcare providers to, to rapidly change, but also forced insurance companies and the regulators to see that in order to be able to safely practice medicine, we're going to have to be able to utilize telehealth or else no one would be getting care uh, for months there. It's been a very useful addition to our practice. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, it is something that we're utilizing 
on an ongoing basis, we're hopeful to be able to continue using it on an ongoing basis as long as the regulators allow us, the insurance companies allow us. And um, I think patients really appreciate being able to get the care they need and getting access to us fairly quickly without having to go through some of the, the scrambles of getting into the office. And uh, you know, elderly patients or sick patients have trouble with getting a ride and getting in. They may not feel well enough to be able to sit in the office and wait and be seen. Uh, so this, this covers a lot of different ways to continue outreach. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the specific benefits for you. Um, your focus is on pain management. And through this collaborative care model, you're, you're kind of integrating it with some behavioral health services. How does telehealth or mHealth, you know, whatever we're going to call it, uh, connected health, how does this specifically benefit your patients? And then how does it benefit you? Sure. Uh, I think it, it benefits patients by giving them access to resources, which would be providers, healthcare personnel that they otherwise would not be able to get to. And by using a teleplatform, we're able to work with other providers and collaborate care for patients and continue that continuity of care. One of the problems I would say in private practice would be that the continuity of care gets fractured. If you're not able to provide all those services under one roof, real time when the patient's in your building, then you're going to lose that patient. You're gonna lose patients to follow up. They're not gonna be able to have access to come back in to be seen. Uh, there's insurance struggles. There's a bunch of other concerns that fractures care. What I really think telehealth has allowed us to do in this last year is glue all that together. And in our uh, collaborative care uh, model, we've got uh, pain management uh, providers who see chronic pain patients almost on a monthly basis for medication management. And telehealth has been great for that. Uh, the only downside to it is when there is an acute issue that comes up, we would like to be able to see them in the office to examine them. So we were, we were struggling with that for a little bit, but now that we have the ability to bring patients in, it's a nice segue to say, let me, let me first see you over telehealth. Maybe I can troubleshoot most of this online. And if not, we'll bring you in, we'll examine you and come up with a treatment plan. Mm. But in doing so, we've also now been able to bring in our behavioral health and mental health specialists to the mix. Chronic pain uh, has a significant amount of mental and behavioral health also as a comorbidity with our chronic pain patients. So previously we would say, you know, we, uh, we um, would like for you to get an evaluation. I'm gonna refer you out to a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a behavioral mental health specialist. And the patients would say, well, they don't take my insurance or they don't take insurance. They're booked out for months. I can't get a ride to go see them. Those were the three biggest concerns that the patient could report. Now we brought those specialists as part of our network. So they're part of our organization. So they're in network, they're in with the insurances, we're creating time slots for patients to be seen. And telehealth now takes care of the whole, I don't have access to go to that provider. So with collaborative care, we are being able to bring in different types of uh, specialists to help us manage our chronic pain patients and make sure that we are providing the most comprehensive approach that we can. How does it help me? It helps me provide better and practice better medicine. It allows me to make sure that I'm connecting the dots and the patients are getting the care they need. It keeps me compliant with the regulators as far as uh, chronic medication management is concerned. We have to monitor toxicology results. We have to monitor the safety and efficacy of the patients getting medications from us. And now we're also able to monitor their behavioral mental health as an addition, a bonus really, to make sure that we're not overlooking anything or missing anything. 
And lastly, from a practice standpoint, it also allows us to increase revenue to the practice by being able to provide a broader scope of services. You mentioned before, it took a little bit of time to get patients used to the platform. Were there any hassles involved in fitting this into your own workflows? Surprisingly, after the first week or so, I would say most providers feel telehealth is a lot easier way of seeing patients than seeing them live. Uh, once we get through the, well, how do we log in? How do we get patients the, the link? And how do we get them up to learn how to use the service itself? I would say after that first one or two visits, on the patient side, it got a lot more streamlined. On the provider side, it allowed us to have a better workflow throughout the day. Um, but yes, there were some initial challenges, which would include training staff, training um, patients, trying to reschedule in-person patients to telehealth. We probably had people on the phones for 45 days, calling every day, and that was nonstop, and you know, trying to connect with patients who are also very panicked on the other end as to what's going to happen with their health. They're not picking up the phones. They're, they're on the phones with other doctors. Uh, just It really took 60 days, I think, to get this to come around where we felt a little more comfortable about doing it. And just to expand upon that, what are the challenges or the barriers you face in using telehealth now? If you, you mentioned some of the issues with, with getting people used to it. Are there issues with using that technology or how about reimbursement? Is there a problem there in finding a way to be sustainable? The challenges on the patient side have really been fairly well controlled now. I think most people are comfortable within five or 10 minutes of kind of getting onto the link. Um, I still have trouble getting onto a link sometimes, but the, the bigger challenge on the broader scope of things is what will reimbursement do? And uh, right now, insurance companies are allowing us to have telehealth visits. We document it accordingly, and they're still paying at the same rates. Uh, but there is a lot of internal um, additional resources we have to bring uh, to the practice to be able to provide the service. So whether it's technology, it's equipment, or it's personnel, surprisingly, there is a lot of back office work that still needs to be done to be able to support a telehealth practice, which I think sometimes gets overlooked. Uh, so you know, keeping reimbursement where it is, is what we need it for it to be, to be able to successfully pull this off on an ongoing basis. And my biggest concern is to seeing what happens from a regulation standpoint, as far as what they will allow us to do. Does the patient, can the patient be at home and be on a device, be on a platform that's HIPAA compliant? Can we continue having these types of visits? What about licensing? I mean, you're serving patients in three different states. Is, is there any sort of a hassle involved in making sure you've got uh, providers that are licensed to practice in the state that the patient is located? Yes, so we have to have providers that are licensed in the state that the patient is located in. With telehealth, the provider can be in another state, but we gotta make sure that provider is licensed in that specific state. It is not so much of a hassle, I think. It's more of, hey, that's just kind of what needs to be done. If that obstacle could be removed where it would be the provider needs to be licensed where the provider is, then it does increase the outreach to more patients that can get the care. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about easing some of these rules. I mean, they've been eased now in the midst of this pandemic with some various emergency measures, both in, with regards to access and reimbursement. Are any of these rules, are they really helping you to improve your use of telehealth? And when this public health emergency ends, you know, will that be a problem if these rules are backtracked? I think it could be catastrophic if these rules get backtracked. Uh, we've made great strides in the last year to be able to reach out to more patients and provide the care that we need. The end goal should be 
provide the best care that the patients have access to and keep them out of the hospitals in general. So if we can optimize care as an outpatient, then that's what we should all be striving to do. And I would think the insurance companies from a financial standpoint, that is in their best benefit to keep patients out of the hospital and optimize care. From a regulatory standpoint, as long as we're doing what we need to do as far as using a HIPAA compliant platform, we're documenting the visit appropriately, we're making recommendations based on solid medical necessity, I wouldn't see why the the regulators would turn things around. But like you said, patients have gotten used to it. And they feel that this is a way that they can connect to their providers and continue to keep the type of care they need. It would truly be a travesty if this got reversed. And aside from what we've talked about, what else would you like to see done that would help you to be able to use telehealth more easily, more frequently? So I think ongoing technological advancements, a mobile platform would be helpful. Uh, We've been fortunate to use an app which has allowed us to reach out to patients to assess behavioral and mental health on an ongoing basis. The app provides uh, patients with multiple different ways to cope with their stress, interact with the providers, and um, deal with any ongoing issues. So the connectivity part there where the app gives us messages as providers to keep us in in check with what's going on with the patient day to day or as, as much as they use it. Those types of services, I think, are really invaluable. If we can have different types of applications that allow us to continue to monitor vital signs, monitor behavioral mental health concerns on an ongoing basis, and these systems are in a way that uh, patients are incentivized to want to use them so that they want to communicate with their providers, I think that's how we really optimize care on the long run. And along that line, are there some new technology coming out or some new mHealth tools or telehealth tools that you're interested in using or that you see might be a benefit in the future in your practice? Well, I've heard of some that are trying to tackle what I just described, uh, whether it's being able to remote monitor and continue to assess patients when they're outside the office. The app that we've been using has now allowed us to go into something called behavioral health integration, where we're able to utilize or provide a collaborative care model between physician, psychiatrist, patient, and a case manager. And most of that done is done now remotely. And that allows us to really provide the comprehensive approach that we strive to do to maintain compliance with what we're doing, but also improve uh, outcomes. So I would, I'd like to see more applications like that 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 allow uh, multiple providers to work together. Do you see yourself using uh, wearables or devices that may be able to give you some data from the patient uh, for for treatment? Yes, I think wearable technology and remote monitoring technology is is really what is cutting edge and will continue to allow us to get more data in. You know, evidence-based medicine has changed how we practice and uh, being able to justify what we do and why we recommend certain types of treatments is essential, but not having that data really cripples us with wearable technology and or these types of remote monitoring devices, we're able to get real-time data, make suggestions and changes and recommendations, and also see the benefits of those changes. You mentioned before, originally 12 months ago, off the board for in-person, pretty much everything. Now we're getting into this area where you can have some in-person Uh, but you want to mix in-person and virtual care. As we move forward now, how do you create a a protocol or a process for determining what's in-person, what's virtual? How do you create this hybrid uh, version of care that that can switch from one to the other? 
Yeah, that's the challenge as we move forward. Now that we have, let's just assume everything stays the same and we're able to continue telehealth the way we do it now. It's a matter of saying, okay, who really needs to come in to be seen? Are we trying to get some diagnostic tests? Do we need to uh, do a physical examination? Is there something that we need to get hands on to be able to assess? In that case, that has to be a, a, a live visit. However, if, if it's not any of those things and it's stuff that can be communicated over a teleplatform, then I think we start looking at teleschedules where we say this provider is seeing telehealth patients from this time to this time and in, in, in live patients from this time to this time. You know, if you have a, a sick visit that needs to be addressed and uh, previously we'd look at the schedules and say, well, everyone's pretty much slammed. We don't have any spots for you. Go to the ER. Now we'd say, hey, we can probably carve out a quick five-minute visit, just recognize that it's telehealth, it's going to be limited to what we can do. But if you want to come in, we could probably find you time. But this is probably the fastest way to triage what's going on. So let's schedule it. And I think that will get us access to more patients and get patients access to multiple providers on the same day. Now you're using, uh, we've talked about before, the, the concept of collaborative care and collaborating and combining physical pain management with behavioral health. It's kind of a new concept. I mean, there are some providers out there that are doing that, but there's still a lot that are moving into this area. Is there advice you might want to give to providers who are looking to do this type of service, this type of collaborative care? And, you know, what should they watch out for? What should they think of as they're moving into a virtual environment? Absolutely. I think anyone who's considering behavioral mental health uh, treatment or monitoring should do it. We have the tools that are available to us now that, that make it fairly simple. There are apps, there's platforms, there are questionnaires that are very patient-friendly and can be easily incorporated into your practice. So the technology is available and it will truly transform your practice. It will allow you to get a better sense of what's going on with the patient and at the end, give you a better outcome. Is there one thing that you see out there, you know, that providers might not realize and one thing that they should probably watch out for in doing this? I think in any time, any type of new service you incorporate into your practice, um, you have to be careful in how much you take on too quickly and slowly incorporating a service into the practice is the best way to be successful with it. What we've done in the past is we've taken a sample of our current patient population and said, we're going to try this out over the next uh, 60 days and see how they do. We currently have 200 patients enrolled in our laboratory care model. We've been tweaking the model as it goes, but uh, we've learned a lot in the last three months to, to figure that out where we need to improve and what's the best workflow for both the patients and our staff. But uh, once you figure that out, then it's easy to scale up and offer those services to the whole practice. That's a good point to make. I mean, everybody sees the potential and the, and the promise of telehealth, but they may not realize that it, it does take a while to get used to, and it takes a while to integrate you got to take those steps and take them carefully to make sure everything works out in the end. One last question for you, and I want to get back to something we talked about at the very beginning, is, is the idea of uh, how patients perceive telehealth and mHealth. Do your patients like virtual care, and do you think, is it preferable to in-person care, or are they viewing this as something that is, that, that's equal to what can be provided in the office? I think it's a generational distinction. I find my older patients would much rather be seen in person if they can get here. They like the in-person exchange. And even if it's a quick visit, I found that, 
I'd say half of the older patients would prefer to be seen in the office to be able to have that face-to-face connection. The other half would say, well, if I don't have to leave the house, this is a lot easier and I can still accomplish what I'm doing, then let's do it this way. The younger generation would prefer telehealth over anything else. They've got busy lives. They're used to doing things on their phones. They're used to being uh, multitasking. And this seems to be, you know, almost a no brainer for them. And they do ask, well, why can't we just stick with telehealth? To which I say, well, there's a lot of other concerns that we have that we need to see you in person, or we need to get some diagnostic tests to be performed to make sure we're monitoring care. Now, there's still a lot to be said for the in-person visit as well. Dr. Rao, uh, thank you very much for, for joining me today. This has been a pleasant conversation. Uh, I think it's a, a good example of, of, of how we are moving from in-person to virtual and how we can balance the two. Great. Thank you so much, Eric. For our listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Feel free to reach out to us at podcast at extelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts or give some suggestions on future topics. And you can also reach out to me via email or Twitter with any telehealth or mHealth questions or suggestions. And if you liked this episode, please head on over to Apple and give us a few stars and a positive review. Thanks for listening. This has been an Extelligent Healthcare Media production.